Hey everybody, this is Why My Parents Worry About Me. I'm Mana. And I'm Taylor, and you're listening to a podcast where we spin the globe, land on a random city, and share stories of true crime, folklore, and a touch of paranormal that truly make our parents worry about us. Um, that was pretty good. It only took me six tries to say my name. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, it's a Monday. We're recording on a Monday this time. So, it happens. Yeah, but it's much earlier in the day. Like, <laughs> usually That's true. Usually we record at like 9 p.m. and then we're exhausted. I know. I'm waiting for my neighbors to be featured in this episode. Oh my god. Okay, wait. Tell me if you've gotten your Halloween costume together. No. Uh, so, I think originally I was going to go with Sally from... Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. I had, like, found a dress at Goodwill that reminded me of, like, the raggedy dress that she wears. Um, And then I realized that I didn't want to, like, buy a wig and do all this other stuff. So I think I'm going to just, like, DIY it, but it's still in the works. I saw um, a gray cloud costume Mm -hmm. that I thought was cool. I don't know if that's cool or not. But. I think it's cool, so <laughs> my opinion is the only one that matters. Yeah, I haven't been invited to any, like, Halloween parties or anything because of COVID, so Halloween trick-or-treating is on at my neighborhood in my town, so I'm going to just hang out. Like, I'm going to put a table out with, like, candy and say, like, pick two pieces each or, you know, whatever, and then Hunter and I are just going to sit uh, on the driveway porch and, I guess, on the porch. And have, like, a fire going and just, like, chill. So I don't really need to have a costume for that. Oh, that's really cute, though. At least it gives you something to do. Yes, for a couple hours. And then I'm going to watch spooky movies. Why? Do you have a costume? I'm going to go to Chicago again and do Halloween over there with my friends that live over there. Mm -hmm. So we've been kind of discussing costume ideas. And we're kind of struggling because I want to do something comedy related. And my friends want to do something sexier. (laughs) Oh, well, of course, there's always that one friend. (laughs) No, I mean, because my humor is, like, not funny (laughs) to other people. So, like, I want to be, like, some – so I've seen some really good costumes lately, like traffic cones. I thought that's funny. (laughs) Or um, the the thumbs from Spy Kids. Oh, my gosh. That one's made me laugh. Or – okay, so I always get the name wrong. (laughs) Um, What's that one movie with – uh, see, this is where I talked to you about this earlier, where I want to call it Beezlebub. Uh, it's Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to be. I want to be Lester from Beetlejuice. <laughs> the one with the really tiny head. Yeah. How would you Anyways, even do that? Somebody did it. I'll send you the video later. It made me. It makes me laugh so hard. Okay. Uh, maybe we'll post it on our story so yeah. people can see which one I'm talking about. It's a TikTok. oh my god, that's so funny. Um, but my friends want to be Powerpuff Girls and they want to make it kind of sexy. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe about doing like post-apocalyptic Powerpuff Girls. Cool. Like they got wrestled around a little bit. Yeah, because my sister has, my sister cosplays a lot. So I have some wigs and stuff that I could play around with and some fake guns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I wanted okay. to do something interesting like that. So what Powerpuff Girls would you be? So I'd be Blossom. Okay. Because I have a blonde friend and then my other friend has dark hair and like shorter hair for Buttercup. Yeah, I would and be my, Buttercup. And then uh, my one friend wants to be, um, what's his name? Professor. Um, Mo Dojo Dojo. No, <laughs> the dad is Professor Utonium. Oh, yeah. He's a creator and father of the Powerpuff Girls. So she wants to be Professor Utonium, but she wants to be a sexy version. 
I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, you're basically just in like a lab coat. Yeah. But I don't know. Put some high stockings on or something. Yeah. But apparently people really simp for that man. Like people really think Professor Yultanium was like hot. Okay. But what about Miss Sarah Bellium? Oh, she <laughs> talk about a lesbian sexual awakening as a child. <laughs> That's when I was like, oh, I'm bi. <laughs> I've been watching um, a lot of horror movies. I watched Beetlejuice this weekend. I watched Sleepy okay. Hollow. Not Beezlebub? No, I did not watch Beezlebub, the <laughs> Mana special. <laughs> um, Sleepy Hollow, I watched. Um, I ended up watching The Devil All the Time, which was a very good movie. It was not scary. Uh, it was just graphic, which, Okay. Uh, was not expecting um some of the things that happened if you like dogs it'll make you sad Um, do you know that one website where does the dog die yeah uh that's a lifesaver for a lot of people yeah because it tells you about movies yeah but it tells you about movies dogs die in so it's nice to know yeah oh wow well i just skipped the whole entire i literally have no idea what happened to the dog obviously i know the dog (laughs) passed because like a lot of the driving motives of the movie was because of the dog dying, but I just skipped over it. Like you really a lot. just said this shit, right? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, 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 no. Yep. And then last night I started the haunting of Bly Manor, which I was like very excited about. I'm already halfway through the series, so it's been pretty good so far. All right, we'll see. What should I watch tonight? I want to watch something, but I want to watch something um childish. I think you should watch, um, I mean, Beetlejuice is great. I've actually never seen it. I can't even. It's oh, it's a comedy. I watch parts. I only watch parts. It's a comedy. It's just hard for me to sit down and watch a movie like that. Well, I know, but watch it on two speed and it'll be fine. <laughs> I know. That's literally what I do. Yeah, I Whenever know. the conversation's too long, like more than three words, I'm like, skip, 15 seconds. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll read between and the lines. I always get the end. <laughs> Oh my god, um, I mean, you could watch the one uh, Monster House movie that we were talking about last time. That's true, or Scary Grandmother. Yeah, I think I'll it's Scary Godmother. Has. Um, I've been trying to catch up on my Netflix shows, but I'm very bad about it. Hmm, it's hard for me because sometimes I just want to watch a movie, like a scary movie, within an hour and a half. I don't want to watch an eight part series on. A haunted house. You know what I mean? No, it's like, like too much. I'm like, the ghost is still there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So where are we going this week? So this week we are going to Russia. Yeah. Is there a specific city in Russia? I do this every time. Moscow. I know. <laughs> we're going to Moscow, Russia. I'm like, that's enough for the <laughs> listeners. We're in Russia. Goodbye. We're, we're somewhere in Russia. <laughs> Episode over. Yep. All right. We talked a little bit. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Vote on my costume idea. Anyways, bye. All right. Um, am I telling my story first this week? I believe so. Okay. So mine is going to be about the chessboard killer, Alexander Pushkushkin. Uh, that one's mm-hmm. going to get me. It's kind of a tongue twister for my brain. <laughs> but that's the serial killer. So I'm going to talk about him. He's kind of really well known in Moscow, but mm-hmm. he... Is I don't know, I just thought his is really, really interesting. So let's get okay. started. Okay, so I'm going to call him Push Push Pish Pushkin. Pish, Pish. What's his first name? Alexander. I'll just call him Alexander. 
Why wouldn't you just call him Alexander? <laughs> I don't know, because you're when you're doing have this kind of stuff, you're supposed to call people by their last name to be more respectful. I always call them Alexander. All right, f*** it. I always call them by their first name. I don't know. I just have this thing where, like, I feel like I'm on a first name basis for people. You could say we're, like, really close. We're, with a serial um, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay. So, um, Alexander was born April 9th in 1974. And when he was young, he was a pretty sociable, ch- a sociable child. He really got along with people and was outgoing. But his mother later told authorities that when he was young, he fell backwards on some swings and hit his head. So experts think that he damaged his frontal cortex during that incident, causing poor impulse regulation and like a tendency for more aggression. But like how many people do that? Like a million know, people probably a lot fall of kids. on their heads. Yeah. I don't know how true that is, but I th- maybe his mom used it as an excuse, but... I guess there's probably some embarrassment that comes into, like, being the mother or father of a serial killer. So, with his frontal cortex damage, he became a lot more disengaged and hostile, and it really showed in his schoolwork and his school life. So, he eventually started getting bullied physically and mentally, so kids would knock him over, would call him dumb. And he was eventually sent to a special class because he didn't really develop right. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the one good bright character in his life was his grandfather, who thought he was exceptionally bright and encouraged him to take part in intellectual games like chess. Okay. So. Oh, no. <laughs> his grandfather <laughs> would take him to play with other elderly men in Bitsa Park um, in Moscow. And that's kind of what he did with his grandfather. He loved his grandfather. It was a really good relationship. Mm-hmm. But after his grandfather died, Alexander did not take that well and started drinking a lot, but did continue his chess games. Okay. Well, listen, I don't like that you said it was, he was named the chessboard killer because it's really <laughs> taken the cuteness out of hanging out with your grandparents. I mean, I guess it stems from somewhere, which, mm-hmm. what what's the word I'm looking for? Not cryptic. Um, It's kind of heartwarming in a way. Is it wholesome? Yes, it's very wholesome. Is that wholesome. the word that you were looking for? Yes. Yes. I love when I can do that. Okay, great. Thank you. I know you, you <laughs> hang out with me too much to know when I lose my words and you're like, that's it. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I'm like, use it in a sentence. Sound yeah. it out. <laughs> However, as he got older, because his grandpa died around when he was 11 or 12 years old, okay, he started getting incredibly disturbing in the mm. way that he would begin threatening children. So, for example, he was known because he took a video of a one child that he was holding by one leg upside down. And during oh. that time, he said to the child, you're in my power now. I'm going to drop you from the window and you will fall 15 meters to your death. Oh. Yeah. And then he just keep rewatching the video like, this is normal. Yeah, that's when you step in as a parent and be like, guess who's going to the psych ward? Literally, because you're not supposed to be holding kids by their um, legs. So his first victim happened when he was 18 years old on July 27th, 1992, when he killed Mikhail Odichuk, who was a classmate of his. So weird. I have an Alexander and a Mikhail in my story. Oh, my gosh. Maybe. <laughs> what if we had the same story? <laughs> we didn't even know. Uh, but he actually planned the death in the way that he told, he told Mikhail that he should join him in killing somebody. And Mikhail was like, he, yeah, but like uncomfortably half joking. 
and then was brought to Alexander's house. And then Alexander was like mad because Mikhail was not serious. Alexander asked Mikhail if he wanted to participate in a murder. Yes. But it was actually his murder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at first he was going to kill somebody else with Mikhail, but then he changed it when Mikhail was like, "Ah, yeah, wait, no. I was just a joke. (laughs) Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. And so then Alexander got mad and killed him. Mm -hmm. There's not full, it's not fully clear on the details how he killed him, but um, Alexander did say later that Mikhail died screaming after he delivered 21 blows to his skull and said that the first murder, it's like first love. It's unforgettable. Yikes. Oh, there's so many yikes. Yeah. And at the time he was questioned as a suspect, but let go. So that was the first murder. He was questioned. As, that makes me so mad. I know. They're literally like, you, they nah, you're good. Stopped. So did they just leave it as an unsolved? Um, yeah. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. It's, you'll it's get angry again at the 79. It's later. fine. <laughs> but, okay, so his killing really began in 2001, and he only killed in Bitsa Park, except for one instance, which people theorize was his second murder, which he met a man at the supermarket, took him to a high-rise in the apartment block that they lived, like, around, because it was, like, mm-hmm. a neighborhood. Right. He offered him vodka if he helped him mourn his dead dog. So that was a big thing that alexander would do was offer his victims vodka and to drink with him to mourn his dog his dog passing and then that's Uh when usually he'd kill them and he doesn't have a dog right no oh no he did at time but it's been years since the dog died (laughs) listen he's offering them vodka honestly i mean would you go yes okay (laughs) this is the difference between me and you (laughs) i know i mean i want to go with a strange man i'm not dumb but mm-hmm. I would think about it. My brain would say, maybe, and then go, no. <laughs> maybe in a group of girlfriends. Yeah, but then no. <laughs> but then no. Well, so, okay, yeah. so let's say, so they always mourned somebody in, they always mourned the dog at the park. Yeah, like he'd be like, this is where my dog was buried. You should come uh, mourn with me. Here's some vodka. And they'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> a public, a public area so they're like oh well it's safe because it's public yeah that's true but he'd usually go to like a more secluded area of the trees yeah but i mean you're going to like a public space like you're you're thinking you're a lot more safe and you let your guard down because you're going somewhere public yeah because usually you could just like scream and people will be like hello yeah <gasps> i'm tired mm. nice Thank you. <laughs> asmr for everybody yes of course um I mean, when he killed this person on the high rise, he ended up just lifting him up. So when the guy got drunk, Alexander lifted the man up like one body part at a time and then pushed him over the railing down 16 stories. Wow. The man woke up on the ground screaming Mm -hmm. in pain, as you can imagine, but they labeled it a suicide slash accident. But the rest of Alexander murders were mostly just elderly men. He did have some younger people and a woman every here and there, but... Mostly elderly man. Like I said, he used free vodka or would use free cigarettes to invite them to hang out in a secluded area. And 20 of them were like personal friends of his that he knew from playing chess. So wow. they were been personal to him. So when like, they'd go and follow him. Sorry, what? I guess that's a way to like bring them to the park. Honestly, yeah, because then he'd be like, oh, like we just had a great game, but my dog died. So do you want to like come hang? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And then after they talk for some time, he'd just move behind them and then strike. Oh, house strike. 
Describe Strike. Um, he'd use a pipe, but some other people said he used a hammer. Wow. Yeah. Gross. Really, uh, it's a very messy, so mm-hmm. I don't know how, maybe he had like a change of clothes, but I couldn't find anything. So I feel like, how did no one see you? Right. So what would he do after the, I'm sure you're going to tell me what happens after the victims die. I mean, yeah, because I was going to say that after being murdered, he dumped them several feet into a sewer system to hide the body because he usually did this near a sewer, like manhole. So a lot of the victims either bled out or drowned. Oh. Yeah, because they'd, like, they'd fall in the sewer system and then drown in the waste or couldn't, like you know what I mean? They couldn't do anything. And a lot of the manhole lids were pretty heavy, so even if they could get up and stand and try to get out again, I mean, the lids were too heavy for them who were already weakened. Uh, the part that's going to make you mad is that some managed to escape, but the police didn't want to bother with them. So they never, because a lot of them were elderly, so they never, like, really went looking for a suspect. What age is told? Not surprised. It's so, the 80s. It's the, it's the, actually, it's the 90s. No, it's, it's the 2000s. It's even worse. It's the oh, 2000s. Oh, it happened. Okay. Well, listen. Yep, you're right. Made me mad. <laughs> Um, and as he kept killing, he grew more and more savage. So eventually his signature became where he'd push a vodka bottle into the gaping wound of their soul. Some people said it was used as a sexual substitution, but I can only find a couple of sources that said that and not all of them. That's a hot take. <laughs> Sometimes it, he'd leave the body on the ground in the open so they could be discovered because he was just like, please look up my work. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Yeah. It seems like he's getting a little bit more adventurous. Yes. And so by 2003, two years after he started doing this, people were beginning to fear him. Well, yeah. <laughs> and they call him the Bitsvesky Maniac. Bitsvesky Maniac. Or the Bitsa Beast. Finally, in June 2006, he was finally caught when he killed a woman, a coworker of his at the supermarket. Because she had left a note for her son saying that she was walking walking with Alexander. Oh. And police also found train footage that showed her on the platform train platform with Alexander. So they were like, this is weird. This is creepy. Suspect. And they arrested him. Later, police found a chessboard with dates on it of 61 of, or 62 of the squares. Oh. Yeah. So it led police to some of the crime seats, reenacting some in great detail. That's insane. So he wanted to be able to kill the same amount of people of squares on the board. So a chessboard has 64 squares, I think. But so even though he killed like 61 or 62 people, which he admitted to it, by the way, uh, he, they were only able to charge him for 51 murders because they couldn't find evidence for the others. Wow. His confession also actually aired on Russian TV, so it was a very media-polarized interview kind of thing, and even told all the viewers that, for me, a life without murder is like a life without food for you. That's when you need to go to jail and be locked up for the rest of your life Yeah, and see no people. I mean, he again. showed no remorse at all. Of course. <laughs> they never do. They never do. It's, it's weird. Even, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, it's just weird that he was uh, targeting like elderly people when his grandpa had such a big influence on his life. I think it's just because they're such easy targets. You get an elderly person super drunk and it's harder for them to fight back. True. But then like, 
He seemed like he was proud of his murders, but like he shouldn't be because he chose like the weak, you know? Yeah. Hmm. But maybe because he's been bullied for his whole life, so he was the weak. So when he's murdering, he's not the weak anymore. He's the strong. Interesting. Hot take. (laughs) (laughs) Hot take. (laughs) Um, And actually something that I thought was really interesting is that he confirmed that he killed 62 people, but he told them that instead of just getting caught with the 51 because he felt it was wrong to forget about the other 11. Because they could only charge him with 51 because... Of evidence. Of evidence. But they were like, he was like, no, nah, no, nah, there's 62. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about the other victim. Yeah, because he was like, I want to I want to recognize with the, their deed to my society. Yeah, I feel like he's, at that point, it's like a power move. Like he's trying to be bigger than Better. he is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's uh messed up. Finally, in October 2007, he was convicted. Uh, the jury deliberated for three hours while he was housed in a glass cage for his own safety. They found him guilty of 48 counts of murder, three counts of attempted murder for the ones that survived, and sentenced to a life in prison. So his first 15 years, though, are in solitary confinement. So as of right now, he should still be in solitary confinement for another two years. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so he's been alone this entire time. That's funny that I I said that he should stay alone. Exactly. I was very excited because I was like, just wait. (laughs) You're going to get closure, Taylor, and it's going to be wonderful. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Well, uh, he's disgusting, and it makes me sad that he did this to these people. But it actually renewed interest in reinstating the Russia's death penalty around the country just because people were so disturbed by his acts of violence. So with him being... In jail for life, I'm assuming that he didn't get the death penalty? No, because it's okay. illegal in Russia, I believe. Um, capital punishment in Russia is not enforced, so no one's been executed since 1996. The more you know. You're welcome. Yes, wonderful. And the chessboard killer is why my parents worry about me. It's interesting that he tried to complete a chessboard. Like, it's almost like he felt incomplete by not having his grandparents. And then to, like, get that completeness or that wholeness again. I mean, he talked about how he felt whole while he was killing. It's, like, him eating or whatever. Yeah. I wonder if that was, like, what was making him feel better or cope with the death of his grandparent. It honestly might have been a way for him to kind of feel a connection. Yeah, Just because of the chess. Yeah. The chess and also elderly people. Yeah, honestly, it could be a way. I just wish they caught him earlier, you know? I mean, they could have caught him a lot earlier and he would have murdered a lot less people, but they were like, mm. They could have caught him the first time. Yeah, if they would have been like, whose house was he at? <laughs> <laughs> Where was he? <laughs> Why am I not a cop? <laughs> oh. All right, it, tell me about your story. It's my turn now. Great, great. Yes, great. are you excited? I am excited, especially because uh, Russia itself doesn't hold a special place. But um, growing up, I had a friend named Jane, and she was born in Russia. She's obviously moved to the United States. Um, But growing up alongside of her kind of junior high age, I would like go to her house and talk to her parents, and they spoke Russian in the house. So they would like talk in Russian and I would be like I don't know what you're saying but she would say like 
like my name in a sentence and I'd be like, oh, she's talking about me. That's so cute. I really don't uh, have any idea what she would say. Today I'm going to be discussing a folklore, which I'm really excited about because I haven't done a folklore in a while. I'm excited. So excited. I know you've been like telling me about this nonstop. So I'm very Mm -hmm. excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, So when I was talking to Jane, uh, I asked her for a little bit of help for this week's story. And when I told her I was covering the Baba Yaga, she got really excited because this is one of her family's favorite stories. Um, And she also told me two really good ideas. So the next time we find ourselves in a city in Russia, I'll probably pay them a visit as well. Originally, I was going to do a handful of folklore, but I kind of fell into a deep, deep rabbit hole with this one. Okay. I actually mentioned the Baba Yaga in episode eight, um, but this episode is going to cover a lot more details about the Baba Yaga. It's going to talk about the origin and then also um, one of the stories that features this character. Okay. Sounds so interesting. I'm so excited. Yes. So with that being said, I'm going to dive in. The tale of the Baba Yaga varies between who's telling it. Obviously, oral history um, has given us lots of different versions of it. Uh, The first documented reference to this character was in the year 1755 by Mikhail Velishevich Lomonosov. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that one, but it's it's a butcher. I'm sorry, Jane. It's going to hurt you. It's his Russian grammar book. Okay. So listed in this book twice, once in the section about Slavic tradition and the other being in a list of Slavic gods. I just think it's banana cakes that she is so deeply rooted in the Slavic tradition that she's mentioned in a book written by a Russian polymath, uh, scientist, and writer. He's also no Joe Smo either. He made significant contributions to the law of conservation of mass in chemical reactions and discoveries regarding the atmosphere of Venus. So fast fact about him. He was the first person to hypothesize the existence of atmosphere on Venus. Interesting. Yeah, like just in general. Like he was the person that that was a long time ago. Yeah, 1755. I know that there there was still like the earth is flat. And he's over here talking about a witch, and then also uh, there's atmosphere on Venus. So yeah, he's like, I got it. I there's got a lot it. going on, a lot to digest with him. <laughs> Unpacked for him. Oh, right, right. So after that, Alexander Nikolaevich Athanasia. He wrote the first written source of a book containing stories about the Baba Yaga. So it was like a multi-volume book series. Mm-hmm. He is believed to be the Russian counterpart of the Brothers Grimm. Interesting. I think that's, yeah, very interesting. And something that I didn't know was that there was actually scholarly individuals that studied ancient pagan mythology. So according to his Wikipedia page, Alexander, quote, treated legends and tales as a mine of information for the study of more ancient pagan mythology, end quote. Which makes sense because many of these tales have takeaways and like moral lessons that they want to teach um, either young ones or, you know, talk about uh, their beliefs in nature, like telling stories are more memorable. Yeah, that's something we kind of talked about before, how 
Mm-hmm. All these stories want to either help people avoid situations, right. like kids not go swimming with the kappa when we did when I did yokai, or for mm-hmm. example, like they always have a reason. He was actually seen as being revolutionary in folklore because he had multiple people contribute to one story or like one character. Yeah, and, and then he edited all of the different versions, adding specific details like the source and the place where the story took place. So they weren't just stories anymore. They were like physically located. Okay. So basically he was like, you brothers Grimm. And then he figured out a way to try to blow them out of the water. There's like no competition. They literally don't care. And he's like, nah, I I, I care. (laughs) Right. I'm going to blow you out of the waters and become the best folklore and fairy tale storyteller. Exactly. Uh, She was a part of... One of the John Wick movies. Have you seen that? I honestly don't think I have. It's okay. I don't don't watch a lot of things. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Um, I'm a huge lover of Keanu Reeves, so that's why. Oh, I love Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Yeah, so he's like the main character there, um, and they call him the Baba Yaga. But what I I know what you're talking about. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So, um. They say that he's like the Russian boogeyman. Like you don't mess with the Baba Yaga. He's the Baba Yaga or whatever. It wasn't correct. Like they said that the Baba Yaga is like Russian's boogeyman, but she's a witch and she's not gotten any of these like characteristics that Keanu Reeves character had. So they weren't exactly right when they were writing. Like they just didn't do the research basically. <laughs> if only they had listened to this podcast episode. I know. Like figured it out. Oh uh, yeah. So, um, if you didn't want to listen to episode eight, which talks more about like Hansel and Gretel um, and a real life witch, basically, all I said about the Baba Yaga was that she was a witch that steals young children. She would cook them in the oven and then eat them. And then legend has it that she would ride through the air on an iron cauldron with death who would provide her the souls to feast on. But I am going to go more in depth now. Interesting. I would mm-hmm. like to know more about the feast, the feasting. The feasting of the children? Yes. Okay, we'll get there. So a few characteristics remain the same with all of the stories about the Baba Yaga. The way to describe her isn't exactly positive. She's typically always described as a terrifying, ugly hag. While smart and powerful, she's typically very cruel. She's oh God, bony. <laughs> Are you describing me? Um, she's bony, long, and as skinny as a skeleton with a long nose. It could be me. Yeah, that's you. It's a mixture of us. It's our, like, love child. (laughs) Yeah, so while some stories show the Baba Yaga being kind to people, it typically depends on who you are. So she can be kind to you, or she can be terrible and, you know, eat you. Um... When she sleeps, her nose touches the ceiling. So, like, when she's laying in bed or some stories say that she lays on her oven to go to sleep, her nose is so long that it touches the ceiling. And depending on who is telling the tale and how misogynistic they are, they describe how gross her nose is, her boobs, her butt, or the groin is, which is, like, really rude. Oh, my gosh. I don't love that for her. We love how people talk about, like, women's bodies in these stories right I'm more yeah. concerned about the situation at hand right exactly yeah so uh a couple of the details that i had heard was like her boobs were so long that like they almost touched the floor or it just like kind of t- depends on who is writing the story and who's like 
telling it, but they basically just talk about how like gross her appearance is and how uh, horrifying she is. So she doesn't have the typical like witch broomstock that we all know and love. She actually uses a giant martyr or a cauldron where she sits in it. And then she's so long that her knees almost touch her chin when she's like sitting in it. Um, and she uses a broomstick still, but it's to uh, like dust away her path. So you really can't like see where she is. She's completely invisible and there's no trace of her after the thought. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting is that her home is also invisible unless you have a magic thread, feather, or doll. Interesting. Remember that detail. Yep, it's Interesting important. has been the word of the day, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is one detail about the story that, like, really sticks out to me and also confuses me. A lot of the stories say that her hut or home has chicken legs. What does that mean? Which, it's like a hut. So, like, picture a hut, and then underneath the hut is chicken legs. Oh, that reminds me of, like, uh... Wizard of Oz, when the house crushes the witch, and all you see oh, yeah. is, like, tiny legs sticking out. Tiny legs. Yeah. I don't know if it's just, like, two legs or, like, a lot of legs, but all the photos that I've seen of this hut has, like, it's, like, a giant hut, and then you have the two, um, like, chicken legs, and then the windows are used as its eyes. Okay. And it's just because this house moves around, so you can't, like, find it. It's invisible unless you have the magic thread, feather, or doll. Okay. She likes to kill people by washing them, feeding them a meal, and then sitting with them, um, and then having them sit on a spatula, and then she, like, swoops them into her oven. So, basically, she's a child-killing monster that sometimes helps people, depending on who you are. Oh. How does she <laughs> judge people? I don't know. I think... I think it's like a supernatural force. Like if you have uh, a supernatural thing helping you, then you can survive her. Okay. Otherwise, she just eats you. Okay. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be gifted with supernatural forces so a witch doesn't eat me. <laughs> right. The blessed. Honestly. So with all that being said, her description, kind of her origin story, I wanted to share one of Alexander's stories with you today. I found this story in a few different websites. I uh, used Wikipedia, Ancient Origins, and a handful of other places with online PDFs if you want to read it in its entirety. I think it's like 26 pages long. So oh, it's wow. a pretty quick we Oh, I think that's a quick quick read. Oh, but like <laughs> I was thinking a short story, like three paragraphs, and we're good. <laughs> we're good. We're good to you know. Um, it's like semi-long. Uh if if you're mana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're but, seven, it's long. Right, but today you're going to get a sick little synopsis from me. This is the tale of Vasilia the Beautiful. So Vasilia was a young girl when her mother passed away. As her mother was dying, she handed her a little wooden doll and taught her how to feed and give drinks to the toy. If she could follow the directions, the doll would help her. Shortly after her mother passed away, her father remarried, and along with the new wife came two new stepsisters. A small detail in a few of these stories is that sometimes she's referred to as Baba Yaga's sister or her family, like her aunt. Mm -hmm. Interesting enough, the Baba Yaga is sometimes referred to as one person. And in some references, it's also said that she has two sisters who are also named the Baba Yaga, just to make it more confusing. But in this story, there's just one. Like some Cinderella sh 
Her new stepmother tasked her with many chores and was very mean to her. She gave her so many chores that it would easily fill her whole entire day, but with the help of a doll, which Vasilia would feed and give water to, she'd get the tasks completed. Vasilia's father was a merchant, and his job asked him to move. They bought a new home in the forest. According to some sources, her stepmother asked her to go to the neighbors for some thread and needle, and other sources say that the three sisters were given each a task, but the two stepsisters blew out the fires and candles, except for one which forced Vasilia to search for light. Mm -hmm. Her magical doll saying it was okay to go, she moved forward into the gloomy forest. As she was walking in the forest, just before dawn, she saw a man riding along. He scared her and made her nervous. This mysterious rider wore all white, with a white saddle and bridle on a white horse. After some time, she saw a different man, but instead of white, it, it was red. So, red horse, red man, red saddle, red Red bridle, all I mean, red, very questionable. monochromatic, right? Questionable who that might be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so she continued along through the forest and stumbled upon a hut. As night fell, a black rider appeared, just like the two previous colors. So he was just all black. This hut wasn't like any hut. It was the hut of the Baba Yaga. Standing on a pair of chicken legs and walled with a fence made of human skulls, Vasilia moved forward towards the house in search for some light with the help of her doll. I'm sorry, this but <laughs> there's skulls lining the house and you're like, I'm going to check it out. Right. Well, I'm sure she was scared the entire time, but her doll was uh, always telling her, like, keep going. Like, it's okay. It's safe. I'll it's keep the you voices. Safe. Oh, God. <laughs> so the Baba Yaga saw her in her mortar and met her. So she was, like, flying around and saw her um, and obviously, like, stopped to be like, why are you here? Just a she little bit curious. Her, right. <laughs> There's some questionable things in the story. She told her that she had to clean her home and yard, do her laundry, and cook her a meal. On top of all that, she also had to separate good corn grain from bad corn grain and poppy seeds from pieces of soil. If she wasn't able to complete these tasks, she was going to be killed by the Baba Yaga. Vasilia tried desperately to finish the task, but grew very tired. The doll assured her that if she rested, that she would be able to finish the task. In the early morning hours, a white rider rode through, and around noon, the red, followed by the black, as night began to fall. Sure enough, when the rich returned, all the tasks had been completed. Baba Yaga made three disembodied hands, squeezed the oil out of corn, and began to speak to Vasilia. Vasilia asked Baba Yaga who the riders were. Baba Yaga replied that the white was day, the red was sun, and the black was the night. She then began to ask about the disembodied hands. But as she was asking the question, the doll drew attention to herself and told her not to ask the question from her pocket. So the doll was like, no, dude, like, don't ask her. And she didn't question the witch any longer. Baba Yaga asked her how she had been able to complete the task, and she replied, by my mother's blessings. Because obviously the doll was given to her from her mother. So the Baba Yaga, angry with the reply and not wanting any sort of blessings around her, threw her from her home. Vasilia came home with a skull lantern full of burning coils. Um, when she got home, she realized her family couldn't light anything. 
no fires or candle of any kind. Mm-hmm. When Vasilia used the coals from the skull, it burned her sister and stepmom to ashes. Oh my god. And so after it burned her stepfamily to ashes, she buried the skull as per Baba Yaga's instruction. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. Right. And so some people write the story or finish the story as she becomes a very skilled tailor and gets married um, to somebody that she works for or she just gets married. There's a lot of takeaways or a lot of different things that people take away from this tale. But one of my favorites is that it's a journey symbolizing Vasilia's growth from a young girl to womanhood, Mm -hmm. trusting her intuition. So the doll being her intuition. Um, which it I think out is for her in the end. Yeah, always important for us as women. Always trust your guts is kind of like the takeaway that I got from the story. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting tale and it's an interesting like little folklore from Russia. Well, the thing is, I can definitely hear the Brothers Grimm like based yeah, on can't their you? stories inside of it. Yeah. Uh, the Baba Yaga is why my parents worry about me. I've heard of that name before, but I've never really <laughs> known what in who they are so it's really nice to kind of get some closure in that sense yep so why are your parents proud of you this week um my parents are proud of me because i just got i mean they're not proud of me for this but i'm proud of my me for this i got new halloween nails i'm very excited about them yes i was hoping that you were going to talk about them yeah (laughs) so um if you don't know me i get acrylics done and sometimes i'll splurge and get like nail art so Mm -hmm. mine is halloween based i got a ghost on one finger. I got a spider on the other with some gems. I got fake blood splatter. I have spider webs coming out of the corners of my nails. I don't know. They're very fun. Maybe I'll post something on our story too to um, yes. show them off. Please do. I love them and I'm very happy with them. They cost me too much money, but that's a different conversation. So <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I did with my week. You're um, a working girl. You're allowed to splurge and treat yourself. Thank you until I'm like, wait, savings? Who is she? <laughs> Um, traveling traveling yeah honestly you gotta save money for halloween <laughs> Hmm. yeah i um am really excited i obviously sent you some ideas for your nails and yes. i'm very happy with what you did my okay. favorite is the ghost nail and i when i first saw them i didn't see that you had like a little gem on the spider and it's so cute thank you and i love the idea i saw it on this one i put together four different nail looks to make one I love that. I love that yeah. you made it your own. And it's not like, oh, here's Pinterest. Like, yeah, I'm like, no, because I'd feel bad because then I feel like I'm stealing another artist's design. But why are your parents worried about, oh, why are your parents ha- proud of you? My parents are proud of me this week because this is the first year, um, probably in the last like five or six years of my life, that I'm actually like able to do spooky things. Okay. L- like I, all through college, I had... The fall uh, was always a really busy time because, like, weddings are in the fall, and I worked kind of in the wedding industry. And at one point, my senior year, I was working like five jobs and also graduating in the fall. So you um, weren't busy at all, right? December. Not stressed out yeah. at all, right? So like, I was just so like I couldn't. And last year with the wedding, I literally could not enjoy Halloween. And so like this, this time around I'm doing everything to do like stereotypical Halloween things like I'm going balls to the walls because this is like the first time that I'm ever able to do it so 
Um, I'm seeing like Hocus Pocus with my friends and like going so to get pumpkin spice lattes in our little like, I don't know. You really feel in the season. Plaid. Yeah. Like I'm 100% going to go like as hard about it as I can. And then I'll maybe ease off the brakes at some point in my life. But I'm just doing a bunch of fall things. And I think my parents would be proud of that. Ah, that's so cute. Yeah. Probably more proud than my parents are of uh, me being like, nails I spent money on. Yeah, but they're Halloween nails and they're super cute. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> and you're happy, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. Right. But we had to start closing up, so how do we do this? Um, Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Um, Thanks so much for listening this week. If you have enjoyed our podcast, feel free to rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. Um, if you have a, if you have an Instagram, feel free to follow us there at why my parents worry about me. And if you have a, why my parents are proud of me moment, you can email it to us at why my parents worry about me at gmail.com or you can just DM us. But yeah. Thanks for listening guys. Are you ready to close out Taylor? I am. Bye. Bye. Yay. Okay. Great. Love that for us. <laughs> Do you know that because of you, I've started saying that? <laughs>